This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. We're continuing our series that we're calling Stop Going to Church. And it's actually our final installment of the series. This morning is, is the last one. It's week four. And so in week one, we talked about how, so this is, this is sort of a tongue-in-cheek series as well. It's stop going to church. It's this idea of stop just going to church. Instead, be the church, right? That's the whole idea of, of the, the, the content and whatnot. And so in week one, we started this thing off with this idea that the church is not a building, it's a body. The church is not a building, it's a body. And so that kind of set the framework for where we were going. It's not brick and mortar, but it's me and you. It's us. That's what the church is. And so starting with that understanding, we went into week two, which Pastor Rich shared in week two about how Jesus desires followers, not fans. Right? So many of us are fanboys of Jesus or fangirls of Jesus, where we know all about Jesus, and we know like the things we're supposed to say, the things we're supposed to think, the whatever, but we're not, we don't spend time as a follower, recognizing him as the leader of where we're going and who we're aiming to be. And so in week one and week two, neither one of those are up on the podcast on the website. Um, and I got some emails about it and whatnot. The file corrupted or whatever. Obviously, we have some awesome technological advances here at Central Church, as you can see uh, behind me. Um, but so the podcast is not up for those two weeks, but last week, we got it all straightened out. Last week's message is on the podcast at centralchurch.cc slash podcast. And we talked about how church and our relationship with Jesus should not be a burden, it should be a blessing. And if your relationship with God and you going to church and you having, um, you know, you being a Christian is more of a burden than a blessing, then I would suggest that you're doing it wrong. That you're coming at it with the wrong perspective. You're coming at it with the wrong headspace. And so we talked all through that last week, and it was really, really cool. And so we have this kind of cadence going, right? Week one was not a building, but a body, right? Week two was not a fan, but a follower. Week three was not a burden, but a blessing. Well, this morning is the same. Uh, The cadence this morning is not a club, a community. Not a club, a community. And there's a distinct difference between those two things. From the outsider looking in, they could appear very similar, but there is a distinct difference between the two. And so we're going to talk through that for a few minutes this morning. Now, um, I was an 80s baby, right? I was born in 84. So I was an 80s baby and a 90s kid. Was anybody else an 80s baby and a 90s kid? Okay. All right. So you may be able to reference some of the, the movies I'm about to share with you. There were a few movies that sort of defined my childhood, there are a few movies that define my sister's childhood, which by proxy defined mine. Like, <laughs> she, she I, I believe that I have seen the Spice Girls movie. Probably, I don't, m- I'm gonna like lowball it and say about four or five hundred times, I've seen that movie. Okay, and then Josie and the Pussycat, Josie and the Pussycats. You guys remember that? Like the rock star, right? Rock star chick band, right? Um, yeah, that that defined my childhood by proxy of my sister. But my The movies that I watched, I believe, over and over and over to where the VHS is probably worn out. Do you guys know what a VHS is? Yes. Amen. Okay. So the... (laughs) is Ninja Turtles. Did you guys watch Ninja Turtles? Any, any of the 90s? Right? And like the pizza delivery guy comes in and he's like, pizza delivery guy by day, super crazy ninja by night, right? And they do all this. I feel like I watched those movies um, 
hundreds, if not thousands of times. Another one that I feel like I had on absolute repeat was the Three Ninjas. Did you guys watch the Three Ninjas? Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum? Yeah, can I get a show of hands? Just nin- Okay, so these are, the real, uh, these are the real people right here, okay? The, the, the Three Ninjas, Rocky loves Emily. Right, I mean, that was just, that defined my childhood. It was crazy. Um, I remember distinctly seeing a movie that I wanted to see over and over and over again, and now I watch it later, and I'm like, I can't believe my parents let me watch this. Um, but the movie Dick Tracy, did, did any of you guys see Dick Tracy? Yeah, no, with like Warren Betty and I think Al Pacino was in it and all this stuff. I'm like, Mom, why did you let me watch this as such a little kid? Um, but Dick Tracy, and I thought it was, it, it was mind-boggling to me that they could talk into their watch and communicate with each other in Dick Tracy. Isn't that wild? And now, like, 20 years later, everybody does that. It's, it's nuts. But another movie that really, 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 really shaped my childhood, and that I honestly, I remember distinctly the cover of the VHS. It was one of those big plastic ones. It wasn't the sleeve ones. You know, he had the sleeve ones, and then, like, all the Disney movies were in the big plastic ones. It was a big plastic one, and it was the movie Little Rascals, The Little Rascals. Did you guys watch? Who in here has seen The Little Wet Rascals? Okay, perfect, wonderful. So that's going to kind of set the stage for what I'm talking about this morning. So when Little, Ra- Little Rascals came out in 1994, and so I was 10 years old, right? So I was in the headspace. I shared this, I think I may have shared this on Easter or, or the week after, where I was in this phase of life where one day one of my friends that was a girl got off her bike, and it was like, everything changed. It was like, whoa, you're beautiful. Yesterday you were my buddy and now you're beautiful. What's going, right? And this like headspace, it like switched for me as a kid. Well, I was right in that age range when this movie came out. And I was 10 years old. And so this movie is all about that transition for little boys, right? That little like headspace shift of like girls are gross and have cooties to, ooh, girls, right? This, the, the main character, Alfalfa, um, falls in love uh, with this girl named Darla, right? And all of his buddies are like, you're a sellout, you're the worst, and he's like, but I'm just so in love, you know, and it's this great, great dynamic, but um, to set up this morning, I want to show a clip from the very beginning of this movie, the very beginning of The Little Rascals, and I want you to pay close attention because we're going to unpack some of the things that we see in this idea of talking about church as not a club, but a community, and so Seth, is the, is the clip ready up there? Are we good? We are good. Okay, so check out this clip of, of the Little Rascals. It's, it's incredible. Your flies on the line. 
clip is alfalfa pulling off rose petals because he's fallen in love with darla and it's just this it's this great great movie and uh, at the end of it, it, it what's awesome is so they hype up this aj ferguson as like the best race car driver in the world and then at the end of the movie when uh, spoiler alert when the uh trophy is presented aj ferguson is a girl and they're all minds are just blown that the greatest race car driver in the world is a girl played by um uh, what's her name? The redhead? Uh, who? 
Reba McIntyre. Yes, Reba McIntyre. My wife loved the show Reba, and I was like, ugh. I spent many nights having to watch that. Um, anyway, so, so this, this clip, I think, is insight a little bit into the American church, which is, might be a stretch for some, but I, I, I really think that this He-Man Woman Haters Club is not far off from many church services we see in America, right? And I'm not even talking about the He-Man Woman Haters part. That's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother, that's a whole nother series that we could do about the He-Man Woman Haters in the church. But <clears throat> it's not far off from many church services. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at the difference between approaching church as a club and approaching church as a community and what the difference in these two are. And so let's pray together and then, uh, and then we'll unpack this for a few minutes. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for your word and I pray that it brings clarity to us. God, I pray this morning that we would evaluate why we do what we do and how we do it. I pray this morning that we would seek community and not just being part of a club. God, I pray this morning you would do work in and through us. I pray that you would soften our hearts, you'd open our minds and make us receptive to what you have for us today. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So, the He-Man Woman Haters Club and the typical church in America have a lot in common. They have a lot of things in common. First being the clubhouse, right? The He-Man Woman Haters Club had that clubhouse. I think another reason why I like that movie so much, you know that froggy uh, character that I talk like this? So you know how thick his glasses were? That's how thick my glasses were as a child. And you know his mullet? That's the mullet that I had as a child. And so like I looked like him and I, like, I, I had a connection there. And then my brother, did you notice the, 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 the bad, like the two bad guys standing on the hill? One of them was like a ginger also with a terrible mullet. That's what my brother looked like as a kid, right? And so it was like my brother was in the movie. I was in the, it was like, it was our, that was our like, those were our spirit animals. It was great. So the clubhouse, the clubhouse was full of like stuff that represented the club, right? They had a bunch of like race car stuff and everything inside the club. Well, the typical American church is the same way. The clubhouse oftentimes when we're approaching church as a club is the building, right? And I mean, we, we, we have a building as well, and our building has things in it that describe who we are. I mean, we got banners in the back that respond, relate, redefine, remake. We did a whole series on that a few weeks ago. Um, over here, we got the the, uh, the, like the Matthew chapter 22 and Matthew chapter 28, some of the guiding fundamental things of who we are and why we do what we do. We got the giving banners over on the side to explain our heart behind giving and what happens with all of that. Out in the lobby, we have the, uh, the serve team sign-up area that talks about the serve teams and community groups and all of that. And so we have a bunch of different things that represent the culture of what you're trying to establish within the club, right? That, that's sort of the idea. And you see that in all churches, whether it's a community or a club, you see that in many, many spaces. The second thing that the He-Man Woman Haters Club had that I think is sort of a parallel to the church in America is their secret password. Did you guys catch the password that they had to do to get in? Right? It was like the hand under the chin, waving, wiggling the fingers. And like if you did it wrong, you weren't really accepted. You couldn't really come in. It was like, no, 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 wrong. Because one kid walked up like this, right, with his finger. He's like, wrong, wrong sign. He's like, oh, okay. It's the same thing kind of in the American church, right? Because if you don't look the part and dress the part and, and, and sort of embody what they're envisioning of who you should be, you're not really welcomed in, right? You're not really allowed to come into the club, into 
the church. I mean, we see this all the time when homeless people try to enter into a church and they're like checked three or four times by the ushers and greeters when the ushers and greeters don't check anybody that many times, right? I mean, let's be real. And Or try going into a church, uh, try this experiment, dressing up incredibly gothic with like black makeup and black whatever, everything, and try walking into a church and see how welcomed you are. See how, see how comfortable you're made to feel when you walk in. I guarantee you'll get talked to the most ever like that by all the authorities, not by the people, but the authorities of the church will come at you, right? I mean, and, and same thing with like hats oftentimes in America, in the American church. If you're wearing a hat in church, it's like, whoa, what are you, oh, hey, what are you doing? Like, Tony, take the hat off, man. I mean, come on. No, you know, <laughs> Tony's like, oh, God, I sat too close. But, I mean, we see that as well. It's like there's, like, these unwritten codes that you have to follow and have to know in order to be part of the crew and be part of what's going down and all this stuff. The th- another thing that I noticed from that clip was Stymie's speech where he gets up and he gives, like, an oath or a creed. And <laughs> How do they end it? They're like, until I scream bloody murder or something. <laughs> as a te- can you imagine as a 10-year-old boy watching that, like, this is heaven, this is life right here. So there's this, like, oath and creed where Stymie gets up and he's like, I do solemnly swear that this is what I believe and this is who I am and this is who we're going to be. Well, the same thing is true in the American church, right? We've got our basic beliefs and our creeds. And uh, oftentimes, at many churches, if they're approaching it as a club more than a community, they build this framework or this, like, box, theological box, that you need to believe what we believe in order to fit in this box. And if you fit in this box with us, then you can be part of our church. You can be part of our crew. You can be part of our community, but really it's more of a club, right? If you don't think this way, you don't vote this way, you don't look this way, you don't whatever the same way that we do, and you don't fit this framework, then you're not part of the in crowd, right? You don't believe Stymie's uh, oath and creed that he lays out word for word, then you don't get to be part of who we are and what we're doing and where we are going. And then they have these insider understandings, right? Like these code words, when he was like, Zuga, 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 right? All the boys were like, Zuga, Zuga, Zuga. And he's like, that was a good Zuga. Love that little kid. Zuga, 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 right? The church has the same thing too. We have all these insider understandings that we take for granted. And we think, oh yeah, our, the people in our club know this. Everybody knows what that means, right? For instance, raising your hands during church, right? Like we think, that, oh, yeah, oh look, yeah, they're connecting with God. They're worshiping. That's a cool thing. You know, oh yeah, cool. Well, when I was growing up, my mom invited someone to church who had never been to church before, and I distinctly remember this. I was probably seven, eight years old, and this guy came to church with my mom, and halfway through it, he leaned over to her, and he's like, hey, so I see all these people in here have questions, but the guy talking is not calling on anybody. Like, what's, what's going on here, right? And he was incredibly genuine, totally serious. He didn't understand why people were raising their hands and worshiping in that way because it was this internal understanding within the club framework that everybody kind of knew what was going on. Another thing like that is communion. I mean, communion, unless it's um, like really spoken to from the front and instructed from the front, I mean, if you've never been to a Catholic church and you walk in and try and take communion, you're supposed to know what to do and how to do it. And if you don't, they're like, whoa, whoa, bro, back up, like, put an X up. You're not supposed, you're, are you Catholic? I didn't know, man. You said bread and juice. I'm in. You know, I like bread. I like juice. You know, and so there's like these insider understandings. Like if, 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 if someone outside the He-Man Woman Haters heard Zuga, 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 they'd be like, what is, what, huh? What is that, right? But it makes sense inside the club. Well, a lot of that stuff is true for the church. Another thing is the language of the members, right? 
in, in the He-Man Woman Haters Club, which you see it throughout the movie, uh, at the very end of the clip, I think the kid's name is Buckwheat in the movie, he goes, oh, Tay. Like, that's their saying, right? Like, that's what they do. That's, that's like their affirmation of each other and all this. Well, inside the American church, we have the same thing. We have Christianese laced throughout. We use words that nobody else uses that have meanings that nobody else intends for them to mean that, right? I mean, for instance, the thing that drives me really crazy is the term fellowship hall. Right? Fellowship Hall. You don't hear the word fellowship unless it's like Lord of the Rings, right? Like nobody uses the word fellowship. And then hall? Nobody calls it a hall unless you're like a Viking, right? It's like the Hall of Odin. And so we're like the Fellowship Hall. And really it's like the ugliest room in the church with bad carpet stains, right? And it's like why does, why do we use, or, or another one I thought was, was super interesting is when they say, everybody pray with your neighbor, so if you didn't come to church ever and someone said, hey, pray with your neighbor, you would immediately start looking around thinking, you know, I don't, I don't think my neighbor goes to this church, if I'm being honest. I don't, I don't see them here. But we understand what we're talking about. Pray with the person next to you, right? And so we use this Christian language or um, <laughs> one of them that, that, that's crazy to me is, is we, we throw around the terminology, you need to love your wife like Christ loves the church. Think about that outside of the context of knowing what those verses are. Love your wife like Christ loves the church. You're thinking, okay, Christ, who died like 2,000 years ago, loves a building, and so I should love my wife like that? Like, we use this terminology as if everyone should know what it means and what the, 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 the ramifications are, but people outside have no clue what we're talking about. Or when we say, oh, it wrecked me. I was wrecked by the Holy Spirit. Have you guys heard that before and people use this terminology? Guys, uh, <laughs> Typically, that would mean a really, really bad thing, right? Like a wreck is not a good thing. It's like a collision, an explosion, destruction, all this. But when Christians say it, it's like, I was wrecked. It means like God did something super deep in me, and I enjoyed it, right? And so it's like, there's these words and these things, this, this club mentality. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. For so long, for so long, churches mimicked clubs, Churches took on the attributes and the characteristics of clubs. And many of them still do, which is a problem. Because there's all this stuff that goes on that makes it us for and no more, that makes us inward focus rather than outward focus, that makes us care about what's happening inside of our club. Whether it's intentional or not, it's incredibly insider focused and, and upheld all the elements of the He-Man Woman Haters Club. Right? It's very, very similar in parallel with one another. And so this whole series, I was talking to Bob this morning before church, this whole series has kind of taken on a life of its own. We planned this back in December, and as we've been talking through it, man, it, every week has just been, man, I didn't think it was going to go that direction. Man, I didn't think we were going to cover this or whatever. But this whole series of stop going to church, but be the church, is huge. It's a huge shift in paradigm. It's a huge shift in the way we approach church, approach relationship, approach fellowship, of Jesus and all of that. And so a club, let me give you a little bit of a difference between the two. A club and a community. A club is an organization. Okay? A club is an organization. And for far too long, the church has served as an organization. The church has served as an entity, as an organization. And so I want to suggest or offer something that could potentially be better that we aim to be here at Central, and I try to encourage my pastor friends and other people whenever we're having conversations like this, to, to, to reach for something better because a community, 
A club is an organization. A community is people. And there's a big difference there. A community is people. And typically it's, 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 it's in proximity with each other. When you're talking about a community, like I live in a community, which is a group of people in proximity to one another, right? And it, it's, it's, it's a group of people typically, a community is typically with common goals, common interests, common attitudes, uh, a common direction, right? And so I would, I would suggest and I would urge us as Christ followers to view the church less as a club, less as an organization, and more of as a community. Because from the outside looking in, they look very, very similar. Because like I said, we have a building that talks about the different culture of, of, of who we are. And we come in and we say things. And when we say, you know, the AWOL tabs are ready, we assume everyone knows what the AWOL tabs are. And so we fall, we fall victim to this stuff just as much, uh, you know, just as frequently as other people have the potential to fall victim to this stuff. But they are fundamentally different. And here's what's interesting. In Scripture, when it talks about the church, when it talks about ecclesia, when it talks about the gathering of the saints, the gathering of the followers, the way, all this stuff, it always, 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 always is in reference to people. It's never in reference to some organization. It's never in reference to a building. It's never in reference to the way that the American church has adapted this concept of church and put it into play. The Bible never references it in that context and in that way. It's always referencing people. And the scripture is flooded with applications for us to be in community with one another. And we're not going to throw all these verses up on the screen. If you want some of these verses to look up later, I can email them to you. But Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, starts off and it talks about, it says, where two or three are gathered, there I am also, which is Jesus talking. He's saying, yo, when two or three of you are together, that's church. That's community. That's what it's about. In John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13, Jesus again is talking. He's saying, listen, I want you guys to love each other like I've loved you. Love each other like I've loved you. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, this is Paul instructing the churches in Galatia. Again, the groups of believers and people in Galatia. And he says, hey, listen, carry each other's burdens. Help each other out. Go through life together with one another. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it talks about how we should confess to each other and pray for each other. Don't walk in like, oh, yeah, I got it all together. You come in and say, dude, I'm struggling. Like, life is hard, school's hard, work's hard, marriage is hard, family is hard, kids are hard, whatever. I'm struggling. Confess to each other. And then it says, and pray for each other. Go to God on each other's behalves. Carry these things with one another. In Romans chapter 12, verse 5, it says, though we are many and we're very diverse, we all form one body. And we belong to each other. We're in this together. That's what a community is. It's people together. In Romans chapter 12, Verse 16, <clears throat> it talks about living in harmony with each other and working together to achieve harmony and unity with one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, talking to the church in Ephesus. Again, the gathering of believers in Ephesus, not the building or organization. And it talks about how we need to approach each other with unity. We need to make unity a priority. We need to make peace a priority. We need to make humility a priority. Philippians chapter 2, again, a letter to the church in Philippi. Not the organization, not the building, the collection of believers in Philippi. And it talks all about community in chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, it says, continue gathering with one another. Don't forsake giving up with one another. Hang out with each other. Spend time together and spur one another on. Encourage each other. Pour in to each other. Lead 
one another. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, talks all about the early church and how they had everything in common. They sold their possessions to help each other out. They did life together. And the list goes on and on and on. All throughout the New Testament, all of these passages, all these scriptures are talking about how people can do life with other people while following Jesus. That's the outline for the church. It's community. It's not an organization. It's not a building that we go to. And I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. This passage will be on the screen. Because I want to break this down a little bit. Because I feel like this gives us sort of an outline for community. It gives us sort of a blueprint for community. And it says this. It says, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Again, nothing about an organization here, nothing about a building here. It says, hey guys, hey, hey, this is how you interact with one another. This is how you do life together. This is how you be the church. This is how you keep in step with the Spirit. This is how you spur one another on. It says, love each other deeply because it'll cover a multitude of sins. You guys can leave that verse up there for a little while. Love each other deeply because it'll cover a multitude of sins. Guys, this is the most important part of community. Love each other deeply. Love each other deeply. Because here's the deal. When we love people like God loves people, their screw-ups and their shortcomings and their differing opinions, they're way less important. If we love them deeply, it doesn't matter if you voted this way and they voted that way. It doesn't matter if they believe this way on open-handed things and you believe that way on open-handed things. When you love someone deeply, like God loves us deeply, it changes our perspective of people. And so when they're instructing us to say, when, 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 when um, Peter's writing this, he's saying, listen, love each other deeply. Here's why you should love each other deeply, because that love covers a multitude of sins. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be slower to point out all of their shortcomings and where they're wrong. When you love each other deeply. And so if we're struggling with people not lining up the way that we think they should, if we struggle with people thinking, man, how could you think different about this topic from me? You must be going to hell. You must be stupid. You must be blah, 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 whatever. If we're having trouble with those sorts of things in our heads and our hearts on our Facebook, <laughs> if we're struggling with these things, listen, oftentimes it's not them that need to change. Oftentimes we need to check ourselves and say, am I loving them like Christ loves me? Am I loving them deeply? Because if I'm loving them deeply, these things are secondary to my love for them. Does that make sense? That's foundational for community. That's foundational for fellowship of Jesus with other people. That's huge. Because there's going to be something next week that divides our country and divides our people. There's going to be something the week after that. There's something this week. There was something last week. There's always going to be something. We need to check ourselves and say, are we loving people deeply? People that are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum than we are, guess what? Christ loves them just as much as he loves you. 
And that's huge for us to recognize and realize. But the question is, are we loving them as much as Christ loves them? Because that's key and foundational for community. And he says, he, he goes on, he says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And then he goes, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Offer hospitality to one another. We need to do life together. Invite people into your world. Invite people into your bubble. And when people invite you into their world and into their bubble, accept the invitation. Don't just be like, oh yeah, cool, I mean, uh, I got kids and stuff, so maybe I'll, I'll pray about it. Yeah, I gotta pray about it. You just don't want to go. Right? Do life together. He says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. You want to experience community, you want to do life together, invite people into your life. It's not just a Sunday morning club hangout, oh, we got club meeting at 9.15 and 11.15, that's when we go and I hang out with my club and, all right, see you guys next week, right? Like, that's not the way that this thing is designed to go down. There's a difference in a club and a community. I mean, the reality is everybody eats. Everybody eats food. Everyone. Everyone eats food. It's science, okay? It's science. Everyone eats food, okay? Eat food while someone else eats food together. It's not difficult, right? You don't have to invite someone to your house. No one wants to come to your house that has nine cats, okay? Nobody wants to hang out with your cats and you, okay? But you all eat. Go to Olive Garden together or something, right? Okay? Olive Garden, praise the Lord. Yes. Mm, preach. I'll get an amen on that. Hospitality with each other, right? Love each other deeply. Show hos offer hospitality to one another. The third thing is bring what you've got. He says each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Guys, we say this all the time. Everybody has something to bring to the table. That's so important about community is that everybody has something. Everyone has greatness inside of them to share with the community as a whole. And I say this all the time. Only you can do what you do, how you do it. Only you can do what you do, how you do it. And if you're not bringing your greatness to the table, we're all missing out. If you're not doing what only you can do, how you do it, to this community, then the whole community is missing out on your greatness. And he says this right here in the outline of, 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 of community. He says, use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Bring what you got to the table. Love each other deeply. Have hospitality with one another. And bring what you got to the table. And then he wraps it up like this. He says, um, if anyone speaks, they should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides. You know what this says? It says, let your words and your actions represent God. Let your words and your actions represent God. Love each other deeply. Do life with each other. Invite people into your world. Go into their world. Do life together. Right? Bring what you got to the table because you got greatness inside of you. And if you're not bringing it, we're all missing out on that. And then he says, and let everything you do, your words and your deeds and your actions, represent God. Which is sort of a throwback to week one. Right, where we talked about how we were the physical representation of Christ. We are the body of Christ. You know what my mom used to say to me every time I left the house? I, I told someone this the other day. Well, this idea of let your words and your actions represent God. I, would be, I was in high school, man, and my mom would say two things to me every time I left the house. 
First thing, she'd say, be like Jesus. Samuel, be like Jesus. She'd say that all the time, right? Which essentially she was saying, let your words and your actions represent God. She'd say, be like Jesus. And then she would follow it up with, flee fornication. I was like, mother. I'm walking out with all my friends. She's like, be like Jesus and flee fornication. I'm like, mom, shut up. My girlfriend is standing next to me. Oh, right? So awkward. But that's kind of the idea. Be like Jesus. Love each other deeply. Have hospitality with one another. Bring what you got to the table and then be like Jesus. See, there's a fundamental difference between a club and a community. A club is an organization. A club has a hierarchy. A club has all these rules and regulations and this secret language and all this stuff. But a community, a community is people who are loving each other deeply. A community is people who are doing life together. A community is people, everyone bringing what they got to the table to enhance the greater community. A community, a Christian community is us being like Jesus. And so maybe you're in here today and you've been approaching church as a club. You know, maybe it hasn't necessarily been intentional, like an intentional approach of like, all right, I'm going to go to Club Central today. <laughs> right? Like, not that kind of club. But maybe you have, it hasn't been an intentional thing, right, where you're like, man, yeah, I, I, want this, I want this to be like a club. I don't want this to be a community. But when we get down a path like this, it's, it's very rarely intentional that we get there. We just find ourselves there as the American church. But whoa, man, yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, we're, we're like a giant club. Maybe you've been approaching church as a club, and, and you go, and it's services offered by an organization, and that's sort of how you approach Sunday mornings, right? That's how you approach being connected to a church. It's services offered by an organization. If I go to this organization, if I go to the Central Church organization uh, on Sunday morning at 9.15 or 11.15, I'm going to have someone who's going to worship for me. And that's a service that they're providing for me. I'm going to be able to connect with God so I don't have to do this on my own time because they'll do it for me and I can just kind of hum along when the screen doesn't work, right? And that'll be my, my worship interaction with God. And then I'll have somebody who spent some time in the, in the Bible get up and talk about the Bible, and then that way I don't have to read the Bible, actually. I can just listen to what they say and regurgitate it in Facebook arguments later, right? And then, like, that's, that's sort of, it's services offered by an organization. They have a kid's church there. It's a great kid's church. That's why I go to that church. That's my club, man. That's where I go. Because if they're teaching my kids about Jesus, then I don't have to teach my kids about Jesus. And so I'll just let them do it, and it's services offered by an organization. Like I said, maybe this is not, like, intentional, but subconsciously this may be the way that we're approaching church, right? It's worship made easy by people facilitating it for you. You know, we make it easy for you to, this whole atmosphere is designed, the whole service is designed to remove distractions so that you can connect with God, right? That's why we keep it a little dimmer in here. Nobody wants to see you singing, okay? I know you think you're like the next Mariah Carey, but let, let's be real here, okay? Nobody wants to see that. That's why the music's loud. Ain't nobody want to hear you either, okay? Just kidding. <laughs> kind of. Kind of kidding. But we're very intentional about the atmospheres and stuff because we want you to connect with God. And so when, but when you approach church as they're setting it up for me to connect with God and I can't connect with God outside of them setting it up for me, that's when it becomes a problem. That's when it becomes a problem. It's this, for many of us, maybe we approach church as like a box that is checked in our to-do list of guilt and shame, right? Like we feel like we got to 
Oh, I went to church so I can check that off my list today and I don't have to feel guilty all week because I skipped church on Sunday. My mom's rolling over in her grave because I didn't go to church, right? And for many of us, we approach church that way or maybe it's, a, it's this, maybe it is. You know, I've, I've heard a lot of people, especially in this faith community, talking about how we don't like big churches. You know, we like small churches. And if we're not careful, though, we can get to this perspective and this headspace that's like an us for and no more sort of he-man woman-haters club deal, right? Where it's like, no, this is my church. I don't want to screw up what I got going on here. I don't want to screw up the dynamic here. And I don't want a lot of people because then nobody's going to know who I am and I'm not going to get special treatment. Again, we're unintentionally approaching this thing like it's a club. And many of us have been doing it and not even meaning to. It's just a perspective and the headspace that we're in. And maybe it's because it's all we've known. Maybe we were raised by parents who treated church like a club, who were raised by parents who treated church like a club, who were raised by parents who treated church like a club. But I want to suggest this morning that there's another way. There's a better way of doing things. And so I want to invite you into community. Not a club. I want to invite you into community. I want to invite you to love each other deeply. To love each other deeply. You gotta know each other to love each other deeply, oftentimes. Right? And so the, the, the second thing that follows, I want to invite you to share and receive hospitality with one another. Like we, we set up community groups and we're intentional about giving you guys space and try to do a lot of the heavy lifting for you to connect with other people because that's super important to us that you connect with other people. But if someone invites you out to lunch, man, just come to lunch. Just eating food. Everybody eats food. It's science, right? Do life with each other. I want to invite you to bring what you got to the table. If you're just coming here and you're receiving, 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 and never reciprocating, we are all missing out on what you got. And everybody's got something to bring to the table, right? Everybody's got something to bring to the table. And so I want to invite you to bring what you got to the table. I want to invite you to let your words and your actions represent God. I want to invite you to be like Jesus. I want to invite you into community. I want to invite you to stop going to church and to be the church. The church that's a body. The church that has followers, not fans. The church that is a blessing, not a burden. The church that is a community, not a club. That makes sense. I mean, imagine if we approached fellowship of Jesus this way. Imagine if we actually did all the things we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Guys, it would be contagious. It would be incredible. It's what we get as a snapshot in Acts chapter 2. It's the life that they were living. Obviously, it would look a little different in our context, but guys, we can experience community like that. So I want to invite you to do that. So this morning as we've been talking, you know, some of the, some, something I said may have, you know, pricked your interest or, or grabbed your heart in some way or the other. But all of us have an area in this that we need to grow. I feel like there's a next step that each of us can take even this morning in this idea of loving each other deeply or receiving and sharing hospitality or bringing what you got to the table or allowing your words and actions to represent God. I believe, like, there's something for all of us to grow in right now. So I want us, the, the band's going to lead us on one more song, and I want us to take this time to just sort of process and just sort of maybe have a conversation with God and say, God, 
Where do I need to take the next step? Where do I need to grow in this? How do I need to shift my thinking and my perspective and my approach to church? How can I stop going to church and actually be the church? What are some tangible takeaways you have for me? Because for everybody, it's going to look different. You know, I can't give you all a homework assignment and say, all right, everybody go do this this week and then come back and report how it went. Because we're all in different places in our faith journey, right? We're all in different places in our relationship with God, but God has something for you this morning. And it might not look like anybody else has what they have going on, but God has something for you this morning. So we want to be intentional about carving out some space business with God. So let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings, but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.